This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to episode 18 of Narrative Shift. This is actually going to be part one of a two-part little uh, episode, but we're going to split it into almost two different episodes as we talk about Black History Month. Yeah, man. And it's March. So yeah, we so- <laughs> we decided to you know talk about Black History, um, not because we want to just extend it, but because we think Black History should be celebrated year-round and not just in one particular month. Yeah, and I also wanted to get your perspective on some things uh, we, we've seen in the past month. And we also want to share a little bit about the history behind why Black History Month started and multiple things. So March is as good a month as any to, to talk about those things. Yeah, man. Thank you for even... Uh, this was your idea. I wanted to you know, extend, uh, extend the... Uh, the time we talked and, and gave this space and adequate attention uh, about this particular subject. So, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, of course. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive in. Yeah, man. Uh, most people don't know that Black History Month wasn't actually a month. Uh, it started out as a week. Um, and that week was started by uh, the great uh, thinker, uh, philosopher, author, historian, uh, Carter G. Woodson. Um, and Black History Month used to be called Negro History Week. Um, I think uh, it's important to know that because, you know, most times people ask, like, you know, why do we need a entire month uh, to celebrate black history and I think uh, Carter G. Woodson um, uh, said it best when he said, uh, if a race has no history, it has no worthwhile tradition. It becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world, and it stands in danger of being exterminated. Wow. Yeah, and his idea for it was to... Uh, you know, educate not only people of African descent, but like the general public about uh, the history, uh, the history, the contributions, Mm -hmm. and also like, uh, you know, talk about figures that were overlooked as, as opposed to like not having a history at all. Even that language he uses about, you know, a people's history being exterminated. I mean, that's such strong language. It is. Exterminated is very strong lang- language. And also, like, it was a way to celebrate black achievement. Yeah. Um, Which is not oftentimes it, ex- no, celebrated. Even, like, in a, now in, in modern history, in 2020, like, it's often uh, black achievement can be repressed or um, silenced. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah, it can, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's like, I, I've heard, uh, different, 
you know, uh, people from like other backgrounds, uh, specifically some whites have asked like, why do we need a black entertainment television or why do we need, you know, HBCU, which is a historically black college or unit university, or why do we need, you know, uh, you know, awards that highlight black and notable figures is because, um, there wasn't any opportunity for blacks to have space, right. Uh, for these different things. Um, and so, uh, you know, black people had to actually create our own avenues and ways of being celebrated, which when you think about it, um, most people who live with that dominant narrative or in majority culture don't have to think about being recognized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I know being a white American, like I don't like have to, to go far to, to see somebody like me, um, in the public, you know, uh, like in the spotlight. Mm. Um, I mean, like most history kind of revolves around uh, white achievement um, for the most part. Yeah. And I, yeah. So black history is a part of American history. It is. You know, yeah. I, I remember even growing up, man, like when I went to high school, like, I didn't I, I don't I don't remember one course or one class ever having any type of like substantive uh content on African American history or black history. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um it was all about American history, which uh in many ways suppressed and repressed uh, uh this history of people from African descent. I remember the first story that I really heard about someone of African descent. Uh, it was a uh, Crispus Attucks. Okay, you remember Crispus Attucks? Mm-hmm. Uh, is like the first person to get killed uh, during what war? The was Revolution that? Yeah, war. the Revolutionary yeah. War, right? The Revolution War. And so, like outside of that, you you heard about like prominent figures that everybody knew, but like you know. Uh, I never would have learned about a a Banyan Rustin or a you know Fred Hampton or uh, any of the notable figures that I've come to know and love and respect uh you know about their contribution in in society and to their communities I, w- I would have never known those uh names names like that you know Fannie Lou Hamer or you know uh I mean you name them man like I wouldn't have come in contact with that because it wasn't in the curriculum. Right. And, and I feel like the figures who were in the curriculum curriculum were often, um, kind of like characterized as unintelligent or, um, give me an example. Like, uh, like let's take like George Washington Carver, for example, like yeah. they kind of just simplified him as the peanut man. You know? Right. Right. And even I I saw a post here recently, man, um, the depictions of the continent of Africa. Uh, I don't know if you've ever like seen them on like maps, geography maps or whatever. But but Africa was always smaller than all the rest of the continents. Wow. You ever notice that? I've never noticed that. But the landmass, there was a mathematician that actually... um, did an actual size of 
the continent of Africa and man, like you give the United States <laughs> could fit inside of Africa with, uh, you know, several other continents at the same time. That's how, how big the landmass is. And what happens is like even imagery like that makes you think of this place is small and, you know, unimportant and things like that. Right. And I think it's now that I'm more and more aware, like it's easier to see that the narrative has always been controlled by people who are not um, of African descent. Yeah. And it's becoming like, it's more and more evident to me. Yeah. The true size of Africa, like China can fit inside of it. United States, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, Eastern Europe, India, um, like the UK, all of these, <laughs> all of these uh, spaces can fit inside of the continent. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's always bro, depicted as something that's small, right? Yeah, and another thing too, man, is like, um, most times when I'm having conversations with, uh, uh, you know, uh, whites. Uh, or people who are white, man, is like people always start at slavery. <laughs> yeah. Like black history doesn't start with slavery, you know? Um, and I, I just, I love the fact that Carter G. Woodson, um, you know, launched this effort to, you know, just give an overview or start this idea of like what it means to, to research and to understand and to accept, uh, you know, African-American history as history, you know, as notable history, as history that, uh, we should have a focus on. Um, he was also a founder of the journal of Negro history, uh, in 1916. Um, and he's also been called like the father of, uh, black history. Uh, he was the second uh, person behind W.E.B. Du Bois that uh, graduated from Harvard and obtained a Ph.D. Uh, degree. Um, uh, and I think his his life and his uh, advocacy for uh, the education of, of the general public about uh, black history is it has been like very pioneering, man. Um, the United States didn't really fully adopt black history as a month until like the 1970s. Yeah. I think it was in 1976 that president yeah. Ford officially like at the federal level, um, adopted it as black history month, which it kind of turned into a month almost like organically, uh, through the civil rights movement in yeah. the sixties. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the first place to actually actually acknowledge this as a month was Kent State, um, which was, you know, an educational institution that uh, was very, uh, they, were, they were like early adopters of, of celebrating this. Uh, and that happened during the 1970s, but like six years later, uh, it started to be celebrated all across the country. Um, but it wasn't adopted in other parts of the world until even later, like the United Kingdom. It didn't happen until 
1987, Canada, 1995. Wow. Uh, the Republic of Ireland, 2010. Right. And I'm sure there are many countries where it's not even a thing. Right. Um, but it's important, man. Yeah. Um, it's like Carter G. Woodson, uh, you know, is saying, uh, the latter part of the quote says, the American Indian left no continuous record. Uh, he did not appreciate the value of tradition. And where is he today? The Hebrew keenly appreciated the value of tradition as is attested by the Bible itself uh, in spite of the worldwide persecution. Therefore, he is a great factor in our civilization. And he's talking about um, this idea of the importance of lead, leaving documented history and making it uh, something that is a part of the fabric of society, because if not, you know, it can get lost. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's jump forward to present times. It's, uh, yeah. 2020. Yep. Um, nearly a hundred years after, uh, the first black history week. And what were some things you, you saw this, uh, this past month? Yeah, man. Uh, specifically, um, I thought that, you know, some companies did a really great job at highlighting the achievements of, you know, African-Americans. And um, I think that more companies are starting to uh, not just be diverse, but like, uh, operate from an inclusive mentality yeah. because diversity, uh, shallow diversity is just all about representation, right? Uh-huh. Like we're diverse and, you know, we're going to invite other ethnicities to the table. Um, but just because the table is diverse doesn't mean that people at the table are actually having an opportunity to speak and be seen and be heard. And, uh, we, we we saw, you know, like Google uh, kicked off Black History Month that had a, a bunch of like notable figures in this commercial. Uh, and they they I, I like the the, uh, the the perspective they gave because uh, Google is a search engine. Right. And they are like yeah. the most search, you know, singer, uh-huh. uh, the most search, you know, athlete most search you fill in the blank and they showed um a lot of african-american notable figures that was actually the most search i thought that was that was powerful i watched that with my daughter um and just reminded her and even my son about like their the importance of their worth and their value uh, because sometimes you know, it can be hard for uh, African-Americans to go out in the world and feel like they have no space. Uh, I felt like that many times. And, and so to see that and to watch that was very important. Um, it almost makes you feel like uh, your worth and value is seen in the midst of, like, dominant culture. Uh, and that um, there are so many people of African descent that are, like, Breaking barriers, man, um, is very inspiring. Yeah. What What about you? Did you see anything? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I saw that uh, you were featured in Coke's um, Black History Month, I guess. What would you call it? Like a campaign? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, Coca-Cola's um, opportunity to feature people that are, you know, kind of working in the community, uh, African-Americans. And so I was very blessed and, and grateful to be a part of that. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I, I still feel weird. Uh, even when people like reach out and say, Oh, I saw this in a, you know, Coke commercial, not necessarily trying to like place a spotlight on me, but like, you know, I never thought in a million years I would be like, you know, in a commercial with, uh, you know, Olympian or like a roboticist or, yeah. you know, uh, Tony Weaver Jr. That is, uh, you know, this creative, this young guy, all these different champions that are like doing amazing things in the community. Um, it felt weird, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it, it still does. So that was good. Uh, Target. Uh, did you see that Target launched a, a product? Um, actually, it was a, a cool toy of Rosa Parks. Uh-uh, I didn't see that. You didn't see that? Uh-uh. Let me turn my computer around, bro. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. It's like a like a doll. Yeah, it's huh. it's a doll. And um, not just uh, Rosa Parks, but, you know, other figures, Katherine Johnson. You know, it was, it was almost like dolls uh, celebrating the success of successes and the sacrifices of of people uh that had, had have gone before us to like pave the roads and then like uh you know i saw a few companies uh you know shout out katherine johnson uh which she she was a mathematician that played a huge part in nasa actually getting to the moon mm-hmm. um she was african-american and pushed and broke all types of uh, glass ceilings to be accepted and have her ideas about like what, uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, math, math, pro- she math, solved, mathematics, mathematics. Math, yeah. uh, she solved problems to help, uh, you know, engineers get to space. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's crazy um, to think that a person of African descent is actually uh, responsible for us landing on the moon. Um, but we don't hear those stories. And then, like, Under Armour, um, you know, featured a lot of, uh, like, current, you know, athletes and stuff like that. And that, You know, it's just like when you see companies doing that, it feels very... You know, I don't know what their motives are in terms of like, are they just using this for marketing? But like, even just to see people take their platforms or companies take their platforms and like spotlight, uh, you know, African Americans is is a huge deal, and not just for the people being highlighted or spotlighted, but for you know all of the other uh, African Americans in this in this country that you know, are still wrestling through uh, trying to break their own glass ceiling, so to speak, uh, to know that there's representation in the world outside of the negative imagery that is mostly shown 
on on uh, news sites or uh, in media ads or whatever, it, it just it's a breath of fresh air, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I f- I feel like um, you could almost say like some some people do or some corporations do just use it as like marketing. Yeah. Um, were there any like I guess like inauthentic feeling? Things you saw this past month, or even in uh, recent history, like let's go back maybe the past few years, has there anything like kind of where you're like, yeah, that doesn't really feel like they're well-meaning in this? Well, I, man, it's it's weird, man, because I, I I see a lot of posts uh, from people like I won't call it uh, sky out, but like um, like. Uh, People who posted an image of 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 Rosa Parks, right, and you know, just to just for the sake of posting, right, and like not really fully honoring the full story because most times, like Rosa Parks was seen uh, seen in the light of like a seamstress that was just tired one day, and all of a sudden. And it's like not really honoring the fact that she fought for uh, justice for, you know, almost 20 years before that moment happened. Yeah. Um, that she was very public and taking stance stances against like uh, uh, on behalf of sexual assault victims and stuff like that. And she was, you know, her perseverance of persevering through like trying to challenge uh, systems and, and like have justice on behalf of victims and stuff and like always uh, not seeing the fruit of that materialize and the tired and like having to suffer through like uh, poverty at the same time and still like persevering through and fighting and you know all that was a combination of a stance where she was making this rebellious act against a system that uh, constantly oppresses and so like you know I, I'll see people use like quotes of King sometimes and like they'll quote King right because King is a, accepted like in large society right, yeah, now it's like a, it's like a safe option <laughs> it's a pick. safe option bro but like they leave other parts of what King talked about alone um, and they reduce King to like uh, what Cornell West, a uh, uh, center clausification of uh, ML King, like they this romanticized idea that you know he was just just so loving and like he didn't challenge <laughs> systems and structures, man. I mean, standing up for poverty got him killed, right? Taking a stance, like he was hated during his time, and so like I feel like that part of uh, sometimes. Uh, people who post about that like even some politicians will post ML King but like their policies are totally, totally opposite, opposite yeah of uh you know what I mean like it it just it just comes off as very inauthentic and like uh I think I made a post not too long ago because I, I've been talking to some friends um and we're always like getting in race conversations, mm-hmm. but majority of their bookshelves are not even African-American authors. Like, you know, 
and it's hard. It's it's very hard to, you know, get into conversations with people who haven't, who only uh, put position themselves in the single story. Like, <laughs> uh, you've got to step outside of your comfort zone and not just use like quotes every now and then or people that everybody liked now that they hated back then right. as a way of celebrating African-American uh, history or like giving space to uh, black people. I think like if you are really about diversity and inclusion, like that needs to be a part of your, the fabric of your learning. Mm. Like you, you can't just like read singularly. Right. It's got to be like holistic yeah. inclusion. Like it can't just be, uh, the one little facet of your life is where you know we're doing all the work. It's got to be yeah. through. Yeah, man, and you know you can kind of tell. Like, I mean, you could just tell the difference between people who have made uh, you know space to accept uh, other uh, other stories as a part of their lifestyle, as opposed to like, you know, picking and choosing. I think that's very gross to like pick and choose every now and then and say, Oh, like, yeah, I'm about this, but like you haven't taken time to the read some of the stories or to digest what it's like to, to fully, you know, be a person of color in this country, you know? Um, and I think that goes back. To, I think we had another conversation about proximity. Like, even if you're not proximate to people physically, you can get proximate to stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just down in uh, or we were Tennessee, bro. And yeah, you were, we were yeah. you were talking to, to uh, you know a couple classes about story arcs and stuff like that. And you had said something about uh, the important importance of like getting a chance to, to know someone's story. Uh, I'll, I'll just let you share it. Like, what were you, what was that point? Because that is uh, closely connected to like some of what we're talking about now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important that you get close enough to listen to somebody's story because that's the only way you can really have an accurate um, reality around who they are and where they've come from, uh, where they are and where they're going. Yeah. 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 And uh, there was this guy in the front of the class. And um, after we stopped talking about uh, the stories and we were like, we had opened up the floor for comments and statements or whatever or questions. uh, This guy said most times that people make up stories about other people on their own to excuse themselves from ever having to respond or get close to those people. I thought that was powerful. Yeah. And actually like, I mean, we have like today, even we just saw like a really good example of that. Um, on that, uh, post we posted about a homeless man who sells art to raise money. Uh, some guy commented and it was like, yeah, so I'm at a gas station with this huge stack of lottery tickets and I stopped giving to him after I saw that because he just spends all of his money on, on lottery tickets and then lower down somebody responded to that and said he actually digged through the trash can uh, looking for lottery tickets in case somebody accidentally threw away 
won that uh, a lottery ticket that had won money. Uh, so this first guy uh, told himself a story about this man that was totally untrue and used that to excuse himself from action. Right. And then, like, I, I think the post went on to say, like, he notices them, right? Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, it, it was like, I don't know, man. It just feels gross when someone says, oh, I noticed that. It's like, that speaks of distance. Like, like I'm observing you. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, this, yeah. this very distant thing of it's like. It's like this far off instead yeah. of like, oh, I see, I'm engaging I see it. with I, yeah, you. I see, I see this guy. Yeah. I see this guy. Or I see that black person or I mm-hmm. see you know what I mean like yeah. it's just really it feels really uh, belittling um, and even just reading that comment it's just you know I, I went on and responded I said but you know noticing is not like actually knowing a person uh, there's a totally different thing and I think that uh, also is just like what it what it means to like kind of casually know African-American history or casually know like what you see in the news about uh, people of color uh, versus like really engaging with the story and like really digesting it and allowing it to change you. So guys, we're, we're going to wrap up uh, part one of this particular podcast because uh, we have so much more to talk about in part two and uh, felt the need that we should, you know, kind of split these up. Um, so you want to do the social media handles right now? Yeah. So you can find me on social media at Johnny Taylor 95. That's uh, all social media. Um, and that is spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R-9-5. What about you, Terrence? Yes, uh, I'm Terrence Lester. Uh, that's I-M-T-E-R-E-N-C-E-L-E-S-T-E-R. Um, and I have the opportunity to help lead an organization called Love Beyond Walls. That's at Love Beyond Walls, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, um, we started the museum, Dignity Museum, uh, the same social media handles. So, yeah, check us out. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. If you uh, felt inspired or... Um, moved or even if you learned anything in this podcast feel free to share it with friends leave us a review Um, but we will catch you for part two next week awesome